Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How do I record an episode? How do I get my show into all the apps people like to listen to? How do I make money for my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. I love Anchor because it's podcast for dummies. They take care of the hosting and distribution. All you have to worry about is content. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start. That's anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Good luck. Welcome to this special episode of Mac and Cheese Movies. We're going to be doing a Use Your Illusion double podcast on Point Break this weekend. One will be with the usual shenanigans with Shannon and guests. One will be with my Aunt D, an AP English teacher, lover of literature, and Point Break. So enjoy the twin episodes of Mac and Cheese Movies for Point Break. Uh, I'm Scotty Coppage, and with me today to talk about Point Break is my Aunt D. So we're both English teachers, you're an AP English teacher, so I thought we could do a bit of literary analysis on Point Break and do an annotation on an article. How are you doing today, Dee? Pretty good. So I've loved this movie since I saw it in 1992 on home video and loved it way more than most action movies or just movies in general. And it just had something to it. I was just taken by it. I bought the soundtrack, I had a big poster in my room, seen it a million times on cable. So this is a movie that I really had a hard time connecting to other people with. You know, I've never met anyone as taken by me, as me, by, by this movie. Um, you can A, not like it, B, like it, but think it's just okay. C, say you love it, but for reasons like, cause it's bad, which is in my eyes worse than if you just didn't like it. So here we are 27 years later, you know, I told you that I was watching Point Break a few weeks ago mm-hmm. and you talked about how much you loved it and you really got into the reasons why. So what are some of the reasons why you love this movie so much? I think one of the reasons I love it is the juxtaposition of the FBI agent, very strict, very by the book to start with, with that free spirit, Bodhi. I like the connection of the two. I like, and I really love the ocean and how that pulls them together. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You you talked about the ocean, you talked about the waves, the surfing shots. Um, And just to kind of get get into that, like um, when I was doing homework for this podcast, I found the typical stuff online about Point Break about how the action is good and Keanu Reeves is bad and uh, but it does launch his career and all the all these ways um, and it's really just like a like a B movie but it's um, 
and that's what this could have been, director Catherine Bigelow turns this into a unicorn. And this is in 1991. I could never pinpoint why, what this movie had that made me think this just was so much better than like kind of everything else. Well, I'm going to say I'm surprised to hear you call it or have other people name it a B-movie. I thought it was tremendous from the first time I saw it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I did too. And I think a lot of people could just kind of get caught up in, in other things, or maybe they just don't, they can't tap into like what this movie's trying to say. Um, I came across this article from Birth Movies Death called Point Break, Catherine Bigelow's Subversive Surf Western by Priscilla Page. And she just nails everything about why this movie's great. And you know, you talk about the ocean, and like this is what she opens up with. Turn to this green, gentle, and most docile earth. Consider them both, the sea and the land. And do you not find a strange analogy to something in yourself? For this appalling ocean surrounds the verdant land, so in the soul of man there lies one insular Tahiti, full of peace and joy, but encompassed by all the horrors of the half-known life. God keep thee, push not off, not off from that isle. Thou can never return. Herman Melville from Moby Dick. Um, what do you think about this quote right here she opens up with? I loved that. To think of the sea and the land. From the very beginning of this movie, where you have uh, Bodhi in the sea, surfing, uh, completely engaged in what was in the waves, juxtaposer put next to uh, Johnny Utah, who is who is going through this drill, this FBI drill in shooting paper targets, but it's in the rain. So you have water both places. mm -hmm. And that has always sort of tickled my fancy. One is, one is salt water. The other is not. And yet they're the same. I never even thought about that. That's why we had you on the podcast (laughs) today. Um, And then in the next part of the article, it says, This is from Catherine Bigelow. Thrill-seeking adrenaline addicts have always fascinated me. The idea seems to be that it's not until you risk your humanness that you feel most human. Not until you risk all awareness do you gain awareness. So it's Catherine Bigelow. Um, And then Priscilla Page opens up the article with The ocean shimmers behind Point Break's credits glowing gold. The words Point Break cross over, merging and dissolving. And so do the names Patrick Swayze and Keanu Reeves. Patrick Swayze's body is a silhouette circling in slow motion against a soft blue sea, as luminous as a romantic painting, a mythic figure out of time. Meanwhile, Keanu Reeves' giant Utah loads a shotgun in a gray downpour. He fires at paper targets, and an FBI agent clicks a stopwatch. With this opening sequence, Catherine Bigelow tells us that the very different worlds of an FBI agent and a surfer will collide, that these two men are destined to meet and to change each other. And I've always also loved that where the credits and the point break, they slip and they merge and they pull apart, and it is mesmerizing. And clearly that's what Bodie and Johnny Utah do. Did you notice this in the credits before? I'd never really noticed this and that there was um, how it contributed to the film's vision or anything. I didn't see that until I read this. Yes, I didn't connect it to this, but I've always loved that opening. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Priscilla Page, she writes, Film critics wrongly called Catherine Bigelow's Point Break a dose of macho claptrap and intellectually shallow. But Point Break is a rare, wondrous thing, a fun, smart, sincere action film. 
It's a Western, a heist film, a buddy film, unafraid of its homoerotic undertones and overtones. It revolutionizes the action genre. You know the story. A former quarterback punk becomes an FBI agent who teams up with Gary Busey to investigate a series of summertime heists. The rookie goes undercover, Lori Petty teaches him how to surf, and he falls in love with Zen bank-robbing surfer Agent of Chill named Bodhi. It's a film where you don't want the good guy to catch the bad guy, where the hero is seduced by an anti-hero. It's about falling in love with your dark double, about superego meeting id. It was subversive morally, sexually, and politically. I, I thought this just illuminated so many bits and pieces that I had never put together. I loved the idea that this was subversive. And as soon as I read that, I thought, yes, that's exactly what it is. Absolutely. And um, what do you think about Johnny and Bodie's like love for each other? I, you know, I had not thought of it in those terms before. And yet it's so clear that Johnny wants to follow Bodie down a path that Bodie is going down. And yet, and yet there is that pull for the FBI, that law and order. And so Johnny becomes this sort of double almost. But, but the attachment they have and the, the teaching, there's a line where Bodie says to Johnny, You've almost got it. It's just right there and points his finger just about six inches in front of Johnny's face. He says, you're just right there. As in terms of understanding surfing and the ocean and its place in their lives. Yes. Yes. And Johnny doesn't shoot him in the big chase. He lets him go at the end. Mm -hmm. And what it's, what is it, what is it about Bodie and Johnny, you know, Bodhi says at the end, there's no way I can handle a cage, man. Um, Bodhi is uncaged throughout the movie, and Johnny is the establishment. He's completely in chains. Um, so I think that that's what we, this, this duality we have this between the two characters. And yet at the end, I don't know if we're ready to talk about the end, but the Johnny Utah character has completely changed. He's out of uniform. His hair has gotten longer. He says he has followed Bodie to every surfing place and, and talks about how he was a day behind him here and he was, you know, a couple days behind him there and just missed him here. He has clearly given over his whole life to surfing and to hunting the surfing areas. It, it, it's a complete change for him. And, and, and chasing after Bodhi. I mean, like, he, there's a line in there where he's talking to Pappas saying, like, I don't know why Harp is so mad at us. We're handling our caseload. I'm surfing on my own time. You know, so obviously, you know, he's not, for the FBI, going to be able to just leave Los Angeles to go do, do to go chase Bodie. Right. And yet, by then, Gary Busey has been killed his and that i think in a way shatters johnny utah because he the two were mentor and student in a lot of ways mm -hmm. it's one of my favorite films with gary Busey. i love I, gary Busey in it i do too i want to hang out with angelo <laughs> pappas or gary Busey in this role yes. yes yes even like his clothes that he's wearing like um when he's like running to the beach or like when he's going to like to the raid, like all it all just looks super you know, relaxed and fun. 
Um, Patrick Swayze said he wanted to play this like a love story between two men. And you can see like their lines of dialogue are very much like that. Mm-hmm. They are. Um, Priscilla Page talks about Point Break reinvented masculinity, abandoning a certain kind of 80s machismo, but also rejected American politics in general. So she goes on to talk about how the ex-presidents are the mask they use in the robberies. Bodie is Reagan. In the chase scene, Bodie in the Reagan mask uses a gas pump as a flamethrower, torches the getaway car and the entire gas station, takes off through homes. Buddy runs through a kiddie pool, knocks people down, messes with their laundry, throws a dog. Point Break definitely is making a statement about Reagan in this film. You know, something I never thought about. Um, what do you think? What do you think about that? I I had never connected any of that. I mean, I... I recognize different lines that those ex-presidents, the bank robber said, as being from the presidents, and yet the the politics of it never occurred to me until I read this article. I thought that was brilliant. Um, you know, Reagan was charming and charismatic, like Bodie, but yes. his policies hurt millions of people and enriched a few. Yes. Um, Roach is the most villain-like out of the bunch, um, and he's Nixon. Um, Gromit, young Gromit, LBJ, and he's the first to die. And that's almost like the end of the 60s ideal. You're right. You're right. I never thought of that. And so this movie is very counterculture. You know, it's, um, it's anti-capitalism, even though it's about bank robbery. Um, Bodhi isn't a 95 guy. He's not going to be a fan of commuting to work. He talks about... Um, people shoveling along their metal coffins. Yes. Um, and here we are coming out of the 80s in 1991 where the baby boomers turned, where they surrendered their ideals of the 60s and sold out for money. I don't know that I knew exactly when this film was made. I, I think I didn't see it until years later. But, but that made so much sense to me when I read it in this article about the changes that were occurring and how it it was altering this male action figure uh, persona. You know, we had Schwarzenegger, we had Stallone, we had all of that. And this, and there really isn't a movie really even kind of like this, like, since. I mean, even though I think there are some, like, imitators out there. Mm-hmm. So surfing the ocean, you know, Bodie, it changes Johnny. And Johnny's a football player. He's an FBI agent. He's the all-American that everyone values these things. And Bodie challenges all of that. So he's almost like challenging the American ideal. He is. You're right. And, and listening to this and thinking about it in these terms, how can anyone not look at this movie as being exceptional. There's so many layer there are so many layers to it. I think most people are not looking at any layers, much less like these deeper layers and things. Um, when Tyler finds out the truth about Johnny, she leaves. She asks, Don't you have a soul? And Bodie knows who he is, knows that Johnny Utah's FBI, takes him skydiving. You know, Bodie wants to turn Johnny. It's not about playing an FBI agent, it's about I want you to come with me. Yes. Yes. Tyler, that character I love because she starts off, she's independent all the way through. But she starts off demonstrating that independence by rescuing Johnny and then dumping him on the sand and saying, you know, 
get get out of here. Yeah. It's like, you know, if you want to kill yourself, go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and her independence, it puts her almost on that even footing with Johnny, except for the fact that he knows more about her. And he did lie to get inside of her. And yet, I, I can forgive that because he had good reasons. Do you think um, Tyler is a good female character in this movie? I mean, I th- as far as representation. I do. I do. She has skills. She has talents. She's, like I said, she's very independent. When she... Uh, Bodhi is such a a tall and commanding figure, and apparently she was with him at one point, but she looks over her shoulder, shakes her head, and says no, because she understands what he is. That is not what she wants. She's not captivated by that. She sets her own standards. Oh, that's a great point. And honestly, I feel like, you know, something we should talk about, like Ridley Scott was going to direct this at some point. And I think this is a completely different movie if Ridley Scott directs it. I think Catherine Bigelow has like a touch to this movie that like no other director would have had. And I had no idea that, I mean, I, I love Ridley Scott's movies, but I had no idea that he was down to direct it. But Catherine adds that, I don't want to say a female sensibility, and yet she she has that underlying understanding maybe that's what i'm seeing yeah i think you're right i think it almost cheapens it to say like female perspective it does it really does um so the article says ultimately point break is about the enlightenment and transformation of johnny utah in an interview with mark salisbury for the guardian Catherine bigelow explained that the ocean serves as a crucible for the main characters through which they define test and challenge themselves End quote. And then Paige says, according to Bodie, the ocean is where you lose yourself and you find yourself. And Moby Dick, Herman Melville, wrote, what we see in the ocean is the image of the ungraspable phantom of life. Whether or not they realize it, all men cherish the same feelings toward the ocean. They are all water gazers, drawn to the ocean as if magnetized. The ocean is a new frontier, a new world where Johnny Utah is born. From a literary perspective, why are water and the ocean such important motifs in story? Water is always uh, birth, rebirth. Um, I teach Huck Finn, and going down the river, every time Huck goes off the river onto the land, he uses a different name, or he uses a different character, When and then is reborn when he gets back on the river as his true self. And the ocean is just that much more powerful. And there, it, it is a common thread throughout literature that the ocean is or water is rebirth. But to be reborn, part of you has to die first. And so there is that, that constant cycle. And the the ocean is untamable. It's wild. It, it is like Bodhi. And it's where we came from. It's where human beings evolved from. We began there. You, I don't know if this is true or not, but my understanding is that the same percentage of salt and chemicals in the ocean, clean ocean, is the same as our own chemistry, human being chemistry. 
I wouldn't be surprised if that if that was the case. And I, I think that has partly that's where our fascination maybe begins. Towards the end of the article, and I'm paraphrasing it, it says Catherine Bigelow once referred to Point Break as a wet western. If the cowboy prides himself on conquering new frontiers, on taming the wilderness, the surfer prides himself on giving himself to it, to becoming one with it. In their final showdown, and they fight as they as the storm rages on, Johnny handcuffs Bodie to him as authorities arrive. But Johnny decides to let him go. He loses his badge, but gains his soul. What do we think about that? I'm going to... I like that, except he doesn't lose his badge. He tosses it away. He's making a choice. He's making a choice to lose that restrictive side and gain his soul. I agree with that part. How how much does this movie change for you if he just catches him and arrests him and that's the end of the movie? I think that completely changes the movie for me. I mean, this is my... Perhaps my favorite ending of all time. I love that he lets Bodie go. And he even has him handcuffed. He has him... Um, and Bodie doesn't just ask like once. He's like yelling at him to like, let let me go. And... I think... Well, now there... I, I admit, there's a part of me. I want Bodie to pay for what he's done. And yet, I think if... If Johnny Utah turns him in, that flattens the whole movie... And changes it from from an essential experience into just common, ordinary, everyday. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think it it, it elevates it in a way that I think most films don't have much le- much less action films. Right, right. I agree. Um. So, do you have any 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 final thoughts? This is a movie to watch more than once. You can watch it and enjoy it as an action film. Watch it again and look at different things. Every time you see it, you can sense another layer to it or look at it from a different perspective. I just think it's something you need to see over and over again. Even at different points of your life, you'll see different things at different points of your life. Mm -hmm. I, I... I've been watching this for 25, 27 years, and I feel the exact same way. And I'm not surprised that most people didn't get Point Break. Um, It took this article to crack the case why I loved it so much, why I've loved it for over 20 years. So thank you, Priscilla Page. Um, Thanks for tuning in. This is just the first pod we're doing on Point Break. Shannon and Guess will be back for the next episode. Thanks for listening. You can email us at macandcheesemovies at gmail.com or leave comments on our page on anchor.fm. Viacondios.